The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. We interrupt your broadcast to bring you an episode from the Stephen or Else Network of Truly Epic Podcast. Find more shows at stephenorelse.com. You're listening to the Superman Super Show, episode number 46, Professor Cobalt's Clinic. Hello and welcome to the Superman Super Show. I'm a host. My name is Steven. And a thousand miles over there to my right is another host, Mr. Ed Moore. Howdy. And How's it Hyper, going? Hyper says, but um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um. Most of my free time is spent reading comic books. Uh, And actually, uh, truth be told, I think most of the comic books I read are not for a podcast. So I'm I'm fortunate that I have the time to to read that much. One of the the main things that I read that I have been doing for several years now is what I call my complete X slash adjacent read through. And what I'm attempting to do is read all of the X books and the ancillary titles of the X characters, but then also maybe appearances of some of the villains or origins of the villains and things like that. So that's the that's the adjacent. So I am just uh, finishing up this weekend. I have a couple more issues left. The 1989 Inferno story arc, which okay, yeah, anybody that was into comics uh, in 1989 remembers that. I think. My my recollection is that that was the first multi-book X-Men crossover, which now has become a, an annual thing. But it was X-Men, X-Factor, and New Mutants. I, th- I think it would have been the first one that they actually, you know, because they had the Inferno logo on top mm-hmm. of all the books and stuff. But they did have the the Mutant Massacre that came before it that went through like X-Factor and X-Men. And, no, yeah, you're and, right. I'm sorry. That Yeah, that would have been Thor, Power Pack. Um, yeah, 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 that's right. Even a Daredevil okay. issue. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, now this uh, one, Inferno, uh, there's, I think also, if you look, there's like six or eight books that were non-X that also had like two or three consecutive yeah. issues that bore the banner that even in the X-Books, these other characters never really showed up. So, I mean, they, yep. they even did their own, you know, mini story in relation, um, I guess, yeah. trying to pick up sales by saying, oh, well, we're part mm-hmm. of this, even though it's like, well, you weren't, but okay. Was, uh, was Inferno, was that, uh, was Apocalypse the big bad in that one? No, it was Maddie Pryor, yeah. uh, where she oh. um, had taken okay. over Limbo. Or, well, she mm. was using Limbo. Um, to invade the earth with demons. And uh, it was, that was right about the point that everybody who mattered, all the, all the other X people started realizing the X-Men were alive after seeing them die in Dallas and them living in Australia. Um, and, and the others thought the other group was dead and 
Yeah. Uh, so Scott left Maddie and he thought Maddie was dead with their child. And now he finds that she's alive and the child's alive. And yeah, so very, it's very soap opera, but it's, it's right in the heart yeah. of what I really liked about X-Men and, and what yeah. I miss that is, is not there. I feel now. So uh, it's, yeah. it, I, I'm reading it. A, a lot of these books are rereads for me um, because I, I, bought them at the time and have read them a couple times since then. Yeah. Um, now, some of the ancillary stuff is where we're getting into stuff that I haven't read before. But yeah, it, it's it's right in my nostalgic heart uh, with, with the yep. X books. So I'm I'm really enjoying it for that. Yeah, I was I was reading it at the time. Um, I don't I don't think I've read it since. I do have um, again, whenever Comixology ever does one of their big sales. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they did an X Men sale, and so I got like Inferno and Follow the Mutants, and yeah. uh, you know a bunch of those from that time for like you know six trades for like eight bucks or something right. like that, and yeah. they're just sitting there in my on my digital shelf, just waiting for me to to one day crack them open, and hopefully they don't disappear before I'm ready to start reading them. Well, yeah, but yeah, really, yeah. Twitter and Comicsology, yeah. Right, right. The, the the two biggest things comic book fans have right now, and both of them are like, well, yeah, they're kind of, yep. So, um, speaking of which, that kind of leads me into what I was going to banter about. Uh, now, last time, the last uh, time we got together to record, uh, at the end, after we finished the last episode and before we stopped uh, being live, uh, we talked about the idea of me doing a Conan. Podcast. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Well, I did it. There's an episode out there. And I'll tell you what, if I could judge what's going to happen with this podcast, just simply with that first episode, it's going to blow up because there are, I have over 300 views, downloads so far. Wow. Now, I think it's because, you know, one of the points that you and 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 Doug had made this last time was, Nobody's really doing a Conan podcast. So I think that's part of it. I think people are curious. They're like, ooh, Conan. You know, the reason really doesn't matter. Yeah, but we'll (laughs) see if they, if we'll see what what happens when episode two comes up. Uh, For those watching live, it's going to go up on Friday. Uh, Phoenix on the Sword, really good story. Um, If you're just listening to the episode, episode two's out already. Go listen to it. Go. It's good stuff. How many but, uh, versions of that story did you use? Just two. There, there was only two that I could find, Marvel mm. and uh, Dark Horse. Doug says the first episode was great. Thank you, Doug. I appreciate that. Um, okay, this wasn't one actually based off of a short story that you read or, or anything like that? No, it is. Um, Phoenix on the Sword is the first published Robert E. Howard Conan story. Okay. And then Marvel did uh, their version of it. Back in, I think it was like Conan the Barbarian Annual Number Two in the in the seventies, and then Dark Horse did a four issue miniseries based off of it in two thousand twelve. Okay, and you know I, what? I thought that but, you said that you were also reading the actual short stories and whatnot yes. as well. Yeah, okay. yeah. So the first thing I do is I read because I have an audio book with all of the the okay. the, the Conan short stories on them. So the I, originals. I, yeah, I listen to it. And then I read the the comics and then I go back and listen to okay. it one more time because okay. they're, they're not very long, you know, 
when when right. they when they say short stories, yeah, they're short stories. Uh, but it's amazing what he can put into one of those, and just how they're they're just they're really at least this one was really good. Frost Giant's daughter, eh, but this one's really good. Well, then that's three versions: the actual and yes. two comic versions. Okay. Yeah, yeah. When I say two, I just mean because comic cause, versions, right? Yeah, I'm just okay. I, I read the original story and then I see how many times it's been adapted in okay. comic form. So, and both of the both of the adaptations were were really well done in their own fashion. So, I think it yeah, made would, for a good episode. I, I would say the one had to be a bit more decompressed in comparison to the other. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, most would, definitely. That would be one one difference there between the two, but that's not yeah. Not good or bad, not a judgment, just a an observation. And I and I go into it uh, in the episode, of course. But um, like I said, this is the first Conan story that was published in 1932 in Weird Tales magazine. Not necessarily the first one he wrote, right? Um, right. And Conan is a king in this in this story. He's already the the, the king, wow. the king of Aquilonia, and. It was actually originally a Cole the Conqueror story that he couldn't sell. He, he it got rejected, and so he changed it up. He rewrote it um, and made it a, a, a Conan story instead, mm. and uh, it that sold. And uh, the Cole story is out there. They did end up taking the original Cole story and printing it in some collection that I don't have, but I, I really want to read that at some point. But yeah, I. I I'm I'm kind of having fun. I've already listened to the third story, uh, the Scarlet Citadel, and it's really good. So that's where we're at with Conan. Thanks to you and Doug. Cool beans, man. Glad it's uh, it's been positive uh, doing that. That's yeah. that's cool. Yeah. All right. Um, you got any more banter? Uh, no, I'll, I'll save what little I got left for one one more episode. Yeah. There, I, I have one more okay. banter topic, and we'll do that in the next episode. Stretch that stuff out now. <laughs> Stretch it out. Yeah. Somebody, if I keep talking, then somebody's going to play that music that tells me to leave the stage. <laughs> yeah. They're going to play me out. All right. So today we're looking at Professor Cobalt's Clinic, which appeared in Action Comics number twenty six. This was. Written by Jerry Siegel, penciled by Paul Cassidy, and inked by Paul Loretta. Uh, Action Comics number 26 has a cover date of July of 1940, but according to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, has an approximate on-sale date of May 23rd, 1940. And let me tell you what happened. This uh, synopsis also comes from Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Professor Clarence Cobalt is denied advertising space in the Daily Planet by the editor. Cobalt is considered to be a quack doctor who takes advantage of the injured people. Clark Kent and Lois Lane are sent to investigate his clinic, where they meet a patient who is given sugar pills instead of real medicine. Lois goes undercover to expose the phony doctor. When Cobalt and his assistant discover the ploy, they kidnap Lois and Clark. While locked in a separate room, Clark uses his powers to escape and rescues Lois as Superman. Then he also steals a safe containing the records of Cobalt's illegal activities. Clark returns to the room without the crooks knowing he escaped. They release him when they see the article Lois has written exposing them. Worried that they, worried that they become, that doesn't make a lot of sense, worried that they become exposed the doctors visit the families of their patients and retrieve the fake medicine from them. 
Superman contacts the families also and informs them of the scam. Angered by the doctor's manipulation, the families try to lynch Cobalt and his assistant. Superman stops them and gets a confession from Cobalt, bringing him to justice. Ed, how'd you nope. feel about this one? No, no coercion there. Um, it, it was kind of similar to the next story. Uh, in mm-hmm. that it was the bad guys taking advantage of people who were in a bad place. Um, not exactly. Uh, this one is sick people. Uh, the next issue is not sick people, but still the the concept. It's not like the you know the bad this union or jewel thieves as last episode or uh, the the bad paper smear people or a bad politician or things like this. Uh, these two stories, interestingly enough, back to back, were nefarious people preying on those of lesser stature somehow. Yeah. This time it happened to be sick people. So um, that is <laughs> that is most definitely something that occurs nowadays in real life. <laughs> so <Yes. laughs> it, yeah. it's not going to get too much more real than a huckster selling snake oil. To sick yep. people. That's, you know, so. Um, I, I heard, I heard a, I heard a comedian the other day make a joke that, uh, the, that over the last number of years, the, the, the word snake, um, has been, has been changed in the English language to essential. Uh, essential oil. Huh? <laughs> essential oils. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was the story that triggered uh, a, a memory when I was reading the Grand Comics database. Okay. There's a note here for this this particular strip that said uh, that the by third party people or let's see no wait a minute no 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 I'm sorry originally it was credited to Wayne Boring uh, as being the penciler for the first five pages of the story. Okay. Uh, then somebody came in afterwards who is familiar with different artists. In a, in a more modern setting, and said, no, that looks like that was Don Camasaro, a name mm. that I've never heard with no. Superman so far. Um, but that same person then went back uh, with some assistance from another person who is very familiar with Superman art, and the Grand Comics database uh, attributes the first five pages to Paul Loretta as far as the art. Huh. So. Um, also, the, Todd Klein uh, was initially credited with the lettering, uh, but then again, some people who are more familiar with this over time said, "No, that looks like it's Frank Schuster's <laughs> hand lettering." Which, of course, it's all hand lettering. So, yeah, um, the Grand Comics database says that the, it was uh, Fred or Frank Schuster on uh, or Schuster huh. Schuster on on letters. So they have. Siegel on script, and then Loretta and Cassidy Inc. Siegel and Schuster Studio are okay. Sorry, Siegel on script, Loretta and Cassidy on pencils, Siegel and Schuster Studio on inks, which probably means it was a rush job to get it done. Yeah, uh, and then Frank Schuster on letters. So, oh, and yeah. and I I only point that out because um, a lot of people who look at that kind of information kind of considered the Grand Comics database as a um, 
reliable resource for the information. So yeah. somebody else is liable to throw out these names in those situations also talking okay. about this. So yeah. who it is, I you know, un- unless you were there, you you probably yeah. really and, and they signed it. We have no way of knowing yeah. now really. So Yeah, and, and and after learning, you know, that Bob Kane, for example, had, you know, a whole, you know, studio of of assistants that right. worked for him that would often uh be the one penciling a lot of them a lot of those Batman books but because they were hired by Bob Kane they were working for him he was the one who got credited for the artwork right so yeah who is the uh there's a a big name espionage men's action thriller uh author whose books um not let's see the name Clive Kessler came to mind but that's not it he he wrote the um Story about the Russian submarine that Sean Connery was in the movie. Oh, uh, Tom Clancy. Yes. Um, if you look now, every book that has Tom Clancy on it has another writer. It's just got Tom Clancy's name on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, is is Tom Clancy even alive anymore, or has he passed on? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I don't remember how old he would have been back when he was like really popular in the, in the mid eighties. Right. So. Yeah. So he's, um, oh, and he also wrote the Jack Ryan novels. Cool. Yeah. I like Jack Ryan. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah. He died in, uh, 2013. So, uh, oh, Tom okay. Clancy yeah. being on a novel now is, um, I don't know, I guess he's credited for creating the concept and that's how his name can still be on the novel. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, but. he, you know, he, like some are authors, his, all those books that he wrote back then, The Hunt for Red October, um, Clear and Present Danger, Patriot mm-hmm. Games, they were all, they all starred, the, the hero of that was Jack Ryan. Mm-hmm. And so they were just, so basically that's the Tom Clancy universe. So that's probably what we got going on now, or just other authors continuing the story in that, in that universe. Okay. So, yeah, I was a big, you know, I was a big Tom Clancy fan in, you know, in like the, the, the mid to late nineties. I read some stuff, but I, I haven't read a whole lot of this stuff. Yeah. I had a, I had a job at the time working third shift that was very, uh, you sat at a table and just did things, just connected stuff. And so they allowed us to bring in our, our Walkmans. Yes. With tapes. Ooh. And, uh, I listened to just a crap ton of books on tape back then. Okay. Yeah. That, that'd be an excellent time to do that for sure. Yeah. So, with this story here, do you have any moments that you want to point out as maybe your favorite? My favorite. Um, okay, let me slide through here. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have to look very far. At the very beginning, um, one, two, three, four panels in, we see Clark Kent with a backbone and a set of cajones, which yep. is the first time. We have seen that from him. Um, it kind of was in the presence of Lois, I think. Let's see. Kind, it, it, you, you don't really know if she's in the room or if she's watching from just outside the room, the other side of the door. I'm not sure yeah. how much she saw. But uh, yeah, she, Clark. Good. She witnesses him throw the guy out. Right. Which is kind but of it, the, the culmination of that. Yeah. That scene. Yeah. But yeah, Clark Clark gets mad at somebody. Well, oh, yeah. he doesn't get mad. He's he's protecting somebody is what he's doing. Yeah. And he, he grabs up a cane that 
um, Dr. Cobalt, Clarence Cobalt has. He's, he's about to strike the editor because he gets so mad at him. And yep. Clark, I guess, is, is standing right there watching this or listening or whatever. And he rushes in and grabs the cane and breaks it. And, <laughs> and then uh, physically throws the doctor and the pieces of the cane out of uh, editor's office there. So yeah, he uh, finally, and, and you can see, um, n- n- not in, a, in an attempt to uh, lose our all ages tag, but uh, the fact is you kind of see uh, Lois get a little moist there uh, watching Superman. <laughs> yes, she, 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 she's yeah. got that look. Uh, so yeah, finally, finally her hero has arrived. Yeah. And I, I like how, cause she's like, my gosh, can it be that I've misjudged you? And he's, he's wiping sweat from his brow with a handkerchief. Uh, I, I guess I was so angered. I forgot myself. Yeah. And, and this is one of those places uh, where you mentioned last episode where he talks, but then he thinks and it's in the yeah. same bubble. It's just separated. Yep. And uh, the editor Taylor points out the way he broke that cane in his bare hands. Woo. Yeah. Good stuff. And, and Professor Cobalt or Dr. Cobalt or whatever he like, is, is a ridiculous looking individual. Oh, yeah. He's got a big, giant, bushy red beard and big mustache. And he's got those kind the glasses that just perch on your nose and with a little string he's hanging right from it. to and, a chain. Yep. He, he's walking yeah. with a cane. And he's he's there because he wants to advertise his clinic in the daily planet and the editor's telling him no because you're a quack we're not going to run your ads and that's when he gets mad and he's going to beat him with his cane and that's well, when he, Clark he wants comes to in. wants to advertise his essential oils or his snake oil sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> lois through a lot of this is wearing a big bow in her hair which mm. makes her look like a 12 year old is a little different and, and we have some some coloring issues too um, in a lot of scenes, her dress appears black, but in one scene, it's yellow. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I'm not sure which it's supposed to be. I think actually with the yellow bow, probably the yellow dress would look better than a black dress. But yeah. Yeah. But this is uh, that was one of my favorite moments as well. I was hoping you were going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right off the that bat, was... you're like, all right, go Clark. You know, and but then, of course, he has to be like, oh, oh. I'm getting the vapors. That's not usually yeah. how I am, yep. you know, he, to try to. Later on, he, he reverts right back to kind. Um, he and Lois are, are snagged by the doctors and he goes right back into his weak fop kind of, you know, personality there that he does. So it was it was a momentary lapse. <laughs> Take a look at page three, panel two. OK, it's like a thought bubble. Mm hmm. Look at all the little look at all the little dots though. It's and and it's not weird. it's not a string. It's like a, a cloud yeah. of dots. Okay. Yeah. It's like yeah. bubbles are actually coming out of his head or something. Yep. Well it you and know, they're they're not used to, you know, the, to doing thought bubbles. They're, yeah. They you know, so yeah. Yeah. And it's you know, at first I thought, oh well, here's another, you know, thought bubble. But it's all the all the word balloons in this story are cloud like, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas in the previous story, they were all more blocky right. word balloons, which I, so I, I'm going to assume that's a letterer thing. I, I they, think it is, they, yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of weird. Um, professor or Dr. Cobalt's assistant is also a ridiculous looking individual. 
um, especially when he starts acting tough. Uh, cause the moment he starts acting tough, like he's going to beat up Clark or something. I, I don't remember exactly where it is, but I just like, really, <laughs> you don't, you don't look like a bruiser, but apparently he is. Yeah, no, n- neither one of them really do. Um, S- T- Superman or Clark, however you want to look at it, spent a lot of time and energy making, uh, no, allowing the doctors think that he was captain. And and he left and came back to that situation several yes. times. And I'm like, just have Superman rescue you and get it over with. Just quit that. See, see, I like to think that it's not him trying to uh, make sure that these doctors don't know that he's Superman. Right. I got to I got to pretend to still be captured. I just like I like to think it's just him screwing with him, you know, because okay. he 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 escapes. He bends the bars of the window goes out and then he comes back bends the bars back and then quickly puts puts back on his his suit right and then ties himself back up i just like i like to think it's just clark just screwing with him yep he's he's captive but he escapes and gets lois and delivers her to safety and comes back then he escapes and gets some incriminating evidence and puts it somewhere safe away from them so they can't destroy it and goes back uh, to, to being captive then he escapes again and takes the information that he had gotten, a, a, a safe that's that's got important documents, takes the safe to the paper, you know, delivers it so they can use it. And then does he, what else does, has he escaped yet there? Yeah, I guess, I yeah, guess he really doesn't they, return there. So, Well, they, because after the first time he returns, they tie him to a pipe. And he busts the rope, goes out, grabs, steals the safe, takes it to the Daily Planet, comes back, ties himself back up to the to the to the pipe. So he does it twice. Two times he escapes and comes back. Yeah, I just yeah. And as he after he escapes that second time and he's running through the house, there's this great moment where he sees the the two the two bad guys in this room that he needs to get into. Now, why he doesn't just as Superman just go get out of my way and push him out of the way and take what he needs and leaves, I don't know. But it, at this point, he decides stealth is the best option. And he, that well, first of all, these guys have at least three different safes in this house. Yeah. The big <laughs> one that he steals, he takes a small one in this scene and throws it down onto the floor to, to distract them. They're like, oh, what's that? And as they're leaving the room, he somehow jumps up into the doorway, grabs the top of the door jam, swings over them without them seeing, and then stands on, I think it's called the, the lintel above the door, which those are some high ceilings. I was going to say, people nowadays would give big money for this place because of how high right. those ceilings are, man. Yep. And then, yeah, I just, yeah. And then. That, okay, that's when he steals the first safe. He, so he throws a small safe, steals the first safe, but he goes back and takes a third safe that has money in it. Right, right yeah. So um, Hyper says, doesn't everyone have at least three safes in their houses? Well, I guess in 1940, is that when this was? Um, the, the answer is yes. We, we, I, we, I have three safes if you subtract three. D- d- yeah, that's that's then, me. Yeah. Uh, then I have exactly three things. Th- I've, I've got three closets. Uh, th- those are my safes, I guess. And this is one. This is a story. If you compare it to 
the um, World's Fair story, you know, we said in the in the last episode that the World's Fair story was very conventional. It was just kind of mm-hmm. one thing happened. Bad guys steal something. Superman stops them, gives the thing back to the World's Fair. This one just complete opposite. So much is happening to the to the to the point that even when he gets the the evidence to convict the two bad guys um at some point he, he i i think it's as he's talking to all the families mm-hmm. there's a child that is in really bad condition so he takes the child to the hospital but the only doctor available that can help this child is like on the other side of the country so then he runs there really fast and it's not even enough that he gets there really fast and gets this doctor but oh there's a hurricane at the same time right and a house flies at them in the hurricane and he punches the house out of the air. This is some, this is, uh, this is such the over the top golden age, crazy Superman stuff that I love so much. So that you have to ask, um, were, were, were these the same writers? <laughs> right. I mean, because it's just, it, it's, yeah. it, it the stories truly have just a completely different yeah. feel to them. Yep. Yeah. And, and uh, I and, agree. Not just that, but this story is like the one before World's Fair. So yep. those are similar. And then you have the World's Fair story uh, in the middle of that sandwich that is different. And it's like, yeah. so you mean to tell me all three of these had the same writer? And I, I'm just like, I, I, don't, I don't see that at all. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's like, the because the world's fair it, it, yeah it's that story sticks out amongst these others like a sore thumb yeah and so not only is is it a, a different artist either dc like came down on siegel and said look this is going to go out to more people because we're selling it at the world's fair uh so we need to let's just let's just calm this story down a bit or yeah they just they said, yeah, we, we've got somebody else who wrote this. We're going to put it in the World's Fair comic. But since you guys are the Superman guys, we're going to stick right. your names on it. Right. Yeah, we've got another story we want to use. You keep writing the regular book. Don't worry. Yeah. We got it covered. Yeah. We'll put your name on it. it. It's good. Nobody will know. Yep. <laughs> Nobody will know. It, it, what, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Unless you're paying attention, nobody's going to yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. You know, here, two menches almost 100 years later are like, uh, that's not the same dude. So, no. So what, what about this machine you, that they put Lois in a special heating cabinet, the, the, the heat machine? Yeah. That was weird. <laughs> Where did that? Yeah. Like you said, it's just like, okay, we, we have 13 pages. Uh, we're going to break it up into, you know, uh, 79 panels and we have to get as many things in all those panels as we can. And it just, it's just crammed full of, most of this, I'm sure, is going to turn out to be, you know, just one-off concepts. But it's like, yeah, what, what? There, there's a lynching in, in uh, right several panels that after sh- that. There's <laughs> that shock. I was shocked by that. I was I'm like, what? Legit, uh, those dudes are dangling from a tree. They're <laughs> literally the, they the, are. You there's motion their lines feet. around their feet. They're they're <laughs> kicking their feet. And, oh my god. So yeah. Okay. So after all that crazy stuff with. Him escaping, coming back, escaping again, throwing a small safe, stealing a big safe, taking the big safe to the Daily Planet. And then he goes back to the Daily Planet at one point because he goes to visit one of the families and they can't help him. They don't have the medicine because 
Cobalt and his man came and, and took it and destroyed it in front of him. So he has to go visit the other family. So he goes back to the Daily Planet, takes the, the ledger out of the safe, flips through it really fast. He's got a photographic memory. So he's, he's a speed reader and he's got he a does. photographic memory. Yep. And then the, the kid is sick. He takes the kid to the hospital, runs across the country, gets the doctor in the middle of a hurricane, punches a house. And that's not even the end. No. Then we have Lois put into a special heating cabinet, right. which is literally a box. It's like this metal box that is about as tall as, as a, cause her head, her head sticking out of it, but it's got a glass dome over her head. Like, like one of those old timey, like steam machines that would open up. Yeah. And, and, or, or cabinet, you know, that they would like sit in and it would close. Yeah. And there's like these glowing vacuum tubes right. in the back of it. And then all the families show up. And so Superman isn't the one that saves Lois this time. All the families show up, string the two doctors up. And Superman happens to arrive just in time. He, he, he basically breaks the branch that they're hanging from. And, you know, they drop to the ground. And then that's when he, he tells him, look, these people are going to kill you. I will protect you, but only if you confess to your crimes. And they're like, yes, whoa, we did it. Take us away. And uh, that, I mean, yeah, again, obviously it had to be a different writer on that other story because that, yes. I that mean, does not give me the same emotional jacked up, just adrenaline rush that this one does. Now this did have three more pages, but that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't account for the difference in the in the way that the story yeah, feels, right. you know. But yeah, and and but you know, you he rescues the two guys, but the frantic doesn't stop there. He takes the two guys, he knocks them out, he throws them in a uh, Brinks truck, flies the Brinks truck to the newspaper. Oh, uh, is it the newspaper? No, a police station. And then that's where they have to go in and, and uh, confess. And then, of course, like every story, it does finish at the Daily Planet with Clark, yeah. you know, getting some kind of attaboy for something he did or whatever. But it's frantic. That is the, the description for what has become the typical Superman story at this point, other yeah. than the World's Fair story. But it's it's very frantic with it's just like, let's. Let's pull in as many things and and come up with as many new things as you can, and let's put it all in thirteen pages. Let, you know, let's yep. uh, and and yeah, you're reading it, and and you're like, uh, you just you just feel it as you're reading panel after page. It's it's like, oh man, come on, yeah, because you keep thinking, all right, here's where naturally the story went in. Oh, nope, it went up three more levels, exactly. and then now here's where it went. Oh nope, it went up three more levels, and it just keeps going up <laughs> crank and it up crank when it he up. rescues when he rescues the doctors and they agree you know all right we'll confess you know help you know keep us safe and he he tears the gate off of the front of the the the, the wall of the house and uses that to hold the people back and then that's when he steals the third safe so he runs into the house oh, grabs man. this safe brings it out opens it up and says look here's a bunch of money This'll we're gonna we're gonna donate this to uh what is it? Oh, President Ro Roosevelt's, Roosevelt's uh infantile, infantile paralysis, paralysis fund. fund. Yeah. Which is a a, a real thing because they tell us at the end of the story to to donate to that. And I love that part because he he uh 
he's holding them back with the gate and he says, back and listen to me calmly. And then he comes running out with the safe. Be patient and I'll show you a sane, just way to exact your vengeance. Hanging is too good for Cobalt and Grafton. Send them to jail and this money to President Roosevelt's infantile paralysis fund. And they're like, he's right. A swell idea. And as they're doing this, the two doctors who agreed to confess are now trying to flee. They're, they're trying to run away. And he cracks one of them in the head, which knocks into the other guy's head. Yeah. And yeah, literally throw, tosses them into the back of that, that truck. What about the way he's and, holding Lois when he throws them in the truck? Yeah, yeah he's got her tucked under one arm and he's throwing the other guys into the into the thing. He 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 picks up the truck, jumps to the police station. And then as he's jumping away, Lois is like, wait, let me thank you. And he says some other time. And then, yeah, we get that ending. That's like uh, a, a cop show from the 80s where they they have yeah. the ending where they're all together to talk about how great everything went right. and then they all freeze frame <laughs> they're you sitting know? at the bar uh, <laughs> yeah. having one yeah. yeah so if i was just looking at this one and the story from last week this one blows last week's away the art in the world's fair story much better i would love to see that artist do one of these crazy oh, stories man yeah that would that would be awesome but yeah this is just this is more like what we're used to with superman <laughs> at this point that uh, oh, I'm just looking at that panel again of those two guys hanging from that tree, and I just, <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> there is no doubt what is going on. I mean, it's not like, oh yeah, well, we're inferring that. No, no, that is what they want you to understand is happening to those men. By the way, it's drawn. Yeah, because <laughs> you have the one panel, the 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 families come in, they rescue Lois, and one of them's yelling, "Lynch him! Lynch him!" And then the very next panel is Clark talking to the editor. Right. Ah, oh, sorry, chief. I couldn't get the medicine. And, and then bam, very next panel, two guys hanging from a tree. And I just, I kind of, had I been drinking something at the time, <laughs> I would have done a spit take because I yeah. didn't, the, the figures are so small in that panel that it's not something that you, your eye is drawn to mm. the moment you come to that page. So even though it's on the same page as them saying, let's lynch him. I didn't see it coming. And no, so it surprised right, the no. crap out of me. Yep. Good story. Good story. Fun. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Superman saved two white men. Okay. Let me state that two white men from lynching. Yep. So they, they didn't go, you know, some other nationality or something like that. It's like, no educated, Let's say if they're both doctors, we can assume yeah. two educated white men he saved from lynching. And they were very close to not making it because they were already up and oh, kicking. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they were. They're, you know, and depending on how it was done, you know, a lot of times the what gets them is the is the neck crack. Right. When the, they drop. The drop. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> the dudes were lucky. Yep. And still they try to run away. That just that cracks me up even more. It's like, hey, he's not looking, and they're kind of shuffling away, you know. But and then when we get to that very last panel that says, uh, "Help fight infantile paralysis, contribute to President Roosevelt's fund," it's like it's it's like tonight on a very special episode of Blossom, you know. That's that's what then how I kind of defined this story was 
all right, so they had a purpose behind this is they were drawing attention to this infantile uh, paralysis syndrome, but in a hugely crazy way. Yeah. I wonder if President Roosevelt read this and went, what are they doing? (laughs) I don't want my name associated with this. Yeah, I, I don't know. That that'd be interesting to see, to know if if he was ever shown. Uh, Mr. President, what do you what do you think of this? They, they they did what you asked them to do. What what do you think? Yeah, it's like in the in the eighties when um that uh whoever it was, I, it may have even been the government approached Marvel and said, "Hey, can you guys do a comic book story about the dangers of doing drugs?" drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Stan Lee, they did that Spider Man book, and they didn't put the Comics Code Authority on it. It's uh, <laughs> I've heard Potato says bonus points for the Blossom reference. Yes, thank you. Uh, but it, it's like that. It's you know, I I wonder if the government actually came to DC Comics and said, "Hey, we need to get the word out about this this fund, and we're trying to raise money. Can you do a story around that?" Mm, yeah, and they were like, "I guess we've already got this crazy story that we could just insert this this." infantile paralysis thing into it, which I meant to look up and I didn't. So I'm not sure exactly what infantile paralysis is. I thought I saw something in there that may have mentioned polio. Uh, Poliomyelitis Um, was, um, the doctor was an expert in poliomyelitis that he went and got. Okay. uh, And, but the, the, the girl had uh, paralysis of the chest is what they said mm. she has. And I don't know if back then that was considered the same thing as, as polio, which I think is what poliomyelitis yeah, I is. I, I'm not sure either. I didn't, you know, research all those things. Um, yeah. Thinking to, just to add uh, more points to your Blossom reference, I believe I just read an article where she's been replaced as the host of uh, Jeopardy. Oh, yeah? I, the, the article, the headline in the article was Jeopardy gets a new host. Um, so yeah. I don't know if she was permanent or if something has happened or whatever, but I know she was hosting it there for a while recently, I thought. So I looked up infantile paralysis and yeah, it's polio. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, we uh, know virus that- Virus uh, can affect the brain and spinal cord. We know that he suffered from it, the, the president, he, so- Yeah, yes, he did. All right. Um, anything else? Uh, I, I, I gotta, I gotta take a rest, man. No, I, I can't do any okay. more of that. Whew need to take a breather need to you know take a a, a nerves the blood pressure yeah Yeah. palate cleanser yeah all right well i want to thank everybody for listening to this crazy episode about this crazy story and we hope that there will be even crazier stories in the future but until next what but until next week folks my name is steven and that's ed and this was the superman super show bye bye guys You've been listening to the Superman Super Show. Questions and comments can be directed to the Superman Super Show at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter under the handle at Supes Super Show. That's at S-U-P-S Super Show. And continue the conversation at the Super Show Forum at forums.justanotherfanboy.com. We also encourage you to rate the show wherever available and share this podcast with a friend. All links will be in the show notes. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine.